Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and Chavruta Yerdena Osband. Our daf of the day, Masachet Nazir, daf Mem Hey, page 45. Again, we have two Mishnayot. Again, we're going to divide them amongst ourselves. Um, the first one, from Amaralaf, Tiglachat Atara Ketzad. So the, the Mishnah here asks, basically, when the Nazir comes to sheave for the purposes of purification, at the end of the time of being a Nazir, how is that done? So he's going to bring three animals. Now, we've been talking about these three animals plenty of times. Again, that it shows up here, you know, in this way, like, here's the procedure, which we've already been talking about in the context of if something goes awry, what's going to happen to these when nothing goes awry, he brings these three animals for Karbanot, a chatat, a sin offering, an ola, a burnt offering, and a shlamim, the peace offering. And so then he he slaughters the peace offering animal, and he shaves his hair, his, hair, his head, after he has slaughtered it, it or them, really. Alehem. So that's Rabbi Yehuda's opinion. Rabbi Lezer Omer, lo haya megaleach, ela chatat. Rabbi Lezer says he only shaved after he slaughtered the first one, which was the korban chatat, the sin offering. Shachatat kodemet b'chol makom, because that's the offering that always takes precedence. Ve'im gileach, ela chat mishloshtan yatsa. And the fact is, says the Mishnah, if he shaved after any one of these, and only after one of them, that would be fine. He will have, you know, at least b'dievet, after the fact, he will have fulfilled his obligation. Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel Omer, Hevi shalosh behemot velo peresha ru'yalachatat. So Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel says, if the Nazir brings three different animals, and he doesn't specify which of them is for which offering, right? Ru'yalachatat. The one that is fit for a sin, for a sin offering, specifically, that's going to be a female sheep in its first year, whatever. There's technicalities over which animals can be offered for which which uh, karbanot, which role the, the sacrifice is going to play, see, krav chatat, so then that's what he's going to bring. It's going to, the, the animal that is fit to be the chatat will be offered as a chatat. La krav And likewise, the korban ola, the burnt offering, is a male sheep in its first year, and that's what's going to be offered as a burnt offering. The shlamim and the peace offering that's supposed to be a man, uh, uh, sorry, a ram, which or a male sheep that's over the age of one year, and that would be offered as a Peace offering. So the technicalities of which animal is going to be brought one, brought when is relevant. Kind of you know taking the statements of Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Lazar, who have this dispute over when he is going to shave his head, and to a different kind of granular granular level that Rabbi Gamliel is saying that the animals themselves about the animals themselves for the different various roles of the of the sacrifices, he doesn't get involved, at least not at this point, in the hair question. Okay. Um, now I want to jump down to the bottom of Ahmed Aleph, and we're going to head on to Ahmed Bed before we get to the new Mishnah, at which point I'll turn it over to you, Yordana. Rabbi Shimon Shizuri Omer Vigilech Hanazir Petach Ohel Moed. Now, there's a statement, right, that's made, the Nazir's going to shave his head at the entrance of the Ohel Moed. This is, there's, a, I mean, the whole discussion here is going to be about this process of the giluach, of the shaving of the head of the nazir. But what's interesting to me is kind of a sidebar from that. I just want to put it into the context 
that it comes in the Gemara. So here the Gemara says, Velo Nizira, meaning that the term there is used in the masculine form. And the point there is, you know, to emphasize that this is a male Nazir and not a female Nazir. The, the female Nazir, we know that there were female Nazirot, and we've talked about them as, you know, equal opportunity abstainers, shall we say. But in this case, the woman does not shave her head in the Ohamo Eid. Um, we're going to see a little bit about what happens there, but I, I would say, it, you know, it was probably considered what we'll say today, pasnish, right? Like it was just not done. It was not acceptable. But, and here, the next line gives us, and now I'm on Ahmed Bet, gives us some rationale as to why that would have been the case. Shema yidgaruba pirchei kihuna. Lest the pirchei kihuna, the, the young flower, right? Perach being a flower, right? Um, younger boy, younger, I guess adolescence is really what we want here, um, would become aroused by her at the time that she uncovers her hair when she's with them, right? Because keep in mind that, you know, the we know this from other areas of halacha as well, that it does seem that the common practice was for women, married women, to cover their hair as just the, the matter of the, how they dressed. So somebody then Sota would make the point that that's not a concern. Meaning, because exactly in the case of the Sota woman whose head is uncovered in part to disgrace her at the time, right? It's a verse, the whole point of Sota is found in Sefer Bamidbar chapter 5. We're not worried there that the, these Pirchekuna are going to be um, aroused at the time that they uncover her hair. So Rabbi Shimon Shizuri says to them, and this, of course, is the part that I wanted to get to, because I think it is so, you know, reality-based. He says the difference between the Nazir, the Nizira, rather, and the Sota, is that this one, meaning the Nizira, will paint her eyes with the blue kochelet and apply blush to her face, uh, Fokeset on her face, meaning she's coming to this celebratory moment fully made up. And therefore, there's a possibility that these young priests might be aroused, whatever, as compared to the Sota woman who is really there for the purpose of shaming her, you know, because she's been accused of, of seclusion with a man who's not her husband. So she's not putting on eyeshadow and she's not applying blush, right? So she's not coming in this kind of beautified, um, made-up status, and she's supposed to look like kind of wretched or or kind of whatever, not her best, right? It's not her best moment. Um, so then then there's no worry that she might, um, you know, put the men at a disadvantage. And of course, we could carry on about this particular, the assumptions here and the givens in this discussion about makeup and, you know, the male gaze and the male arousal for a very, very long time. But we're not going to. I just want to point out that the Gemara is, you know, you may disagree with the assumptions of this Gemara, but it's dealing with um, very practical concerns uh, whether or not you think they're legitimate, right? And it literally changes the practice of the Nizira during her, pra- during her time of purification. Look, I, I think it shows us that some of these concerns that we see in modern day ways that they play out 
you know, about the relationship between men and women and what men should be looking at. These are not new concerns, uh, but I certainly can respect. uh, I don't know. I don't love this passage in the Gemara. It's a bit much for me, but anyhow, we'll move on to the next one. So this is going to give us another, uh, I think, sort of odd part of the ritual that I, for one, didn't know about till I actually had learned these Mishnayos. So once he cuts his hair off, he takes the hair and he puts it on the fire beneath the pot in which the shlamim is being cooked. But if he shaves his head outside of Yerushalayim, then he would not put it beneath the pot. Now there's a whole discussion with the commentators why that is, and most of them explain it's because it sort of has to be done right away. Like in other words, you shave your head and then you put it in the pot. But if you put it underneath the pot in the fire, but if you had to, you know, if you live somewhere far away and then you had to bring it to Rishalayim, that's sort of too much of an interruption of this whole process. And therefore you wouldn't actually burn the hair itself. So it shows us the burning of the hair is not essential. It must have smelled terrible. That's the one thing I was very fixated on. Cause like if anyone has ever smelled burnt hair before, Oh, it's, it's awful. It's an awful smell. So there was something about that that was, that's really what I thought was interesting is the smell is terrible. So what, what, is, what is this law, this halacha talking about? Okay, this is about, you know, the head shaving of a nazir who's tahor. About, but with the head shaving of a nazir who's tame, which, which we spent a lot of time talking about and comparing it to the mitzora. And the past couple of tapim, that's not hair that would be put underneath the pot into the fire to be burned. Rabbi Meir Omer, Rabbi Meir says, right? Any, um, all Nazirim would put it underneath their hair underneath the pot. Except for a Tame Nazir who shaved his head outside of. Yerushalayim. So if you were a tummy Nazir who shaved your hair in Yerushalayim, you would also burn your hair. Um, so the Gemara basically begins with a brisa that explains a little bit more um, about how this was done, um, right? It says, And so this gets even weirder. It's not just only that he would burn it. You would take some of the gravy from the korban and like pour it on the hair and then you would burn it. I mean, I just thought that was wild. Like that, that I've learned the Mishnah of Nazir before, but I did not learn the Gemara before. So that like took it to a whole new uh, level for me. And then the Mishnah basically, the Brisa then continues and goes through a whole uh, exegesis of figuring out how do you know that you have to take some of the uh, gravy? That's basically... Uh, you know, what they want to discuss is how you would know that you would um, that you would have the gravy. Okay, we'll skip that. And then I'm just going to go to one last price before and it's going to until we get to the next mission. But we're going to do that mission tomorrow. So we learned in a price. All, all Nazirim would put their hair underneath the pot. Right. Except for a Tame Nazir who shaved his head outside of Yerushalayim. Right. And so that because that hair would be buried. Okay. 
Now, one of the things that's interesting is Debray Rebbe Mayer. That's Rebbe Mayer. So Mepharshim actually note there's not a source for that for burying the hair, but that seems to be what the Brisa says there. Rebbe Huda Mer Rim Khan Bekanayumishokin. Nazirim that are Tahor, according to Rabbi Yehuda, whether they're in Yerushalayim or outside of Yerushalayim, they would always burn their hair. And if they were Tame, they would not. So according to Rabbi Yehuda, the determining factor is not location, it's whether you're Tame, it's Tahor hair or Tame hair. Um, Nobody would put their hair underneath the pot. Chutz means tahor shabamigdash, except for a nazir who shaves a tahor nazir shaves his head in the temple. Because that's, you know, you did everything exactly the way that you were supposed to do it. So, uh, you know, very interesting type of ritual. You know, you burn the hair, maybe pour some of the shlamim gravy on it. Um, I, I don't. It's it's all weird to me, but you know, interesting to learn about. I feel like this is the kind of thing where somebody somewhere connects this to some other cultural uh, ritual in the ancient world. And then suddenly it all makes sense that this is why this was the way it was done. In the meantime, without that. I didn't think about that. Yeah, I wonder. But if anybody has any thoughts, you know, any of our co-learners, I'd love to hear that. That's our DAF discussion for the day. Thank you for joining us. Rank us, review us where you get your podcast. Come talk to us on our Facebook page and tell us what you think of this stuff. Thank you to Rabbi Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. And until tomorrow, go and learn.